This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Clean Cut Barbershop, located on 21 East Kelsey Avenue in Salt Lake City, Utah. To schedule an appointment, visit cleancutbarbershopslc.com. Walk-ins are also welcome. Mention Short Story Bingo and receive $5 off your first visit. Now, on to the show! Ooh, that's a bingo! Is that the way you say it? That's a bingo. You just say bingo. Bingo! How fun! That is how you say it, man. This is Short Story Bingo, episode 37. And I am your host, Nate Chacon Third. Welcome back to me, man. I, um, I've been working very hard. Uh, well, hold on. Excuse me. If this is your first time, welcome. If this is your second time, the retention program is working. What we do on this podcast is I uh, read stories that you might not otherwise uh, pick up or even recognize they're around. I'm a glorified narrator uh, to some of these stories. And so it is like audible sort of um anyhow so uh welcome and uh, i'm glad you guys made it back um we're on episode 37 as i said uh episode 36 is in the books for sure and i certainly appreciate all the feedback on that that was uh, screaming across america um really interesting story pretty funny uh as far as like just the dynamic of how it's going down but i just wanted to say thank you guys for uh, sticking around i've been i've had a uh interesting and just really jam-packed uh time frame last four weeks um just getting uh my feet wet with this uh new show on krcl 90.9 fm uh the friday night fallout show and you're more than welcome to listen to that every friday from 10 30 to 1 p.m or 1 a.m excuse me 10 30 p.m to 1 p.m a.m um you can listen on the app just search krcl or you can go on my krcl.org but i just host that with uh my boy Keith McDonald. It's a hip hop radio show. So it's fun. Anyhow, but we're back. Short story bingo's in full effect. Got a uh, some new technology that I'm working with, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, and um yeah, man. Just uh re- I'm really excited to just be recording this podcast right now. Just I can't even fucking front with you. But so with that being said, let's get back to our regular uh, programming. Uh we have our top three countries because people are still downloading the joint you know we're averaging still about 340 hits a day so which is great i certainly appreciate it so so much uh received some emails as well as telling uh, my boy jody uh who is the owner over at clean cut barbershop on 21 east kelsey avenue our sponsor just mentioned short story bingo and you receive five dollars off uh your first haircut so it's like a 20 dollar haircut for sure like super dope uh, i just was there what yes a couple days ago and uh, refer to my boy uh, Tristan who's been on this podcast anyway so uh, Sweden the UK and France those are the top three countries and then the top three states uh, I feel like none of these have been on the top three but this is what the analytics told me Maine Washington and Delaware yeah Mm, I, I, the Delaware one kind of knocked me off, but whatever, man. Whoever's in Delaware listening, thank you so much. And then, of course, the random Twitter follower shout-out goes out to at LaughNYC. Uh, that is Paul Corrigan. He's a stand-up comic out of uh, New York City. He's a pretty fun follow. Uh, yeah, give him, a, give him a shout. Let him know that uh, you're here because of Short Story Bingo. Anyway, so, yeah, uh, I wanted to make sure that uh, I got all my you know, stuff out of the way before I actually just, uh, 
start talking a little bit about what this I don't know, man. I've been so into hip hop, or like so dive back, diving back into hip hop, like the Drake and Pusha T beef. Uh, yet Kanye West's new album, uh, Pusha T's new album. It's been a uh, Black Thought's new album. It's been a the pretty fun time in hip hop right now. So um, yeah, just super freaking excited. But today we're gonna be reading out of this book that I posted on the Instagram. Go follow the Instagram at Short Story Bingo. Uh, Zombie Jesus and other true stories is the book, and the co- and the uh, story that we're reading is called Partners by Ian Welk. So sit back, relax, put on your head gear, because we're about to take a ride through the atmosphere. Zombie Jesus and other true stories, episode 37, full effect, short story bingo. And of course, we got to do the intro song. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're sad. Most of the time they're funny because I hate to be sad. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. But don't take my word for it. Spare fingers. Yes. I'm not looking forward to LSD day at the office. I pull into the lot late. The Los Angeles sun already blazing high into the sky. I toy with the idea of just going home. But I called in sick on the acid day last month and uh, pattern recognition, the management buzzword of the season. (laughs) Wait a second. Let me run that back real fast. Okay. I'm not looking forward to LSD day at the office. Normally, most of us don't. I mean, I'm looking forward to, like, regular day, maybe, like, donut day. (laughs) I pull into the lot late. The Los Angeles sun already blazing blazing away high in the sky. No pun intended there. I toy with the idea of just going home. But I called in sick on the acid day last month, and pattern recognition is the management buzzword of the season. Can't call in on two, uh, you know, drug days of the month, okay? Not, Not concurrently, all right? You can skip... You can skip acid day, can't skip LSD day. Aren't they the same thing? LSD and acid, aren't they? I feel like they're the same thing. Anyway, but you can't, you, I mean, seriously, you, you know, if you have some professionalism, show up, take your acid, you know, take your LSD, and, uh, you know, be a productive member of this workforce. <laughs> Karen, of course, her name's Karen. Karen from HR sits waiting for me in the management pen with my company dose. She has a look on her face like a concerned mother with a kid who's not taking this medicine. I wonder if she'll check to make sure I swallow the tab. Her business skirt suit, oh, excuse me. Her business skirt suit is the sort of mid-50s future wear that became so popular when the change came. Our rockets reached, ooh, when the change came. Hmm. I wonder what's going to happen. Okay, our rockets reached the moon. Our magics brought our extra-dimensional partners to our world, and America became supreme. Hmm. Okay, hold on. 20 years later. This, okay, hold on. Let's, let me, because I'm trying to unpack this too. All right, so Karen from HR, so he's getting ready again. Okay, Karen from HR sits waiting for me in the management pen with my company dose. She has a look on her face like a concerned mother with a kid who's not taking its medicine. I wonder if she'll check to make sure I swallow the tab. 
I would. Her business skirt suit is a sort of mid-50s future wear that became so popular when the change came. Our rockets reached the moon, our magics brought our extra-dimensional partners to our world, and America became supreme. Okay, so we brought people back, or aliens back. 20 years later, the styles of 58 have never gone out of fashion. Even Karen's red hair, the same devil's bride dye job that all the women wear with their green iris lenses, is cropped in the style of the Irons Eisenhower years. Are you okay, Mr. Johnson? She... She's required to ask about my disposition before I take the dose. The wrong mood swing or health issue could be devastating to the user, the health of the company, and everyone in it. Because you'll fucking do something crazy, like shoot some shit up. Uh, Malay, uh, Malay, um, no, how do you say this word? Malays might lead to an interest. Malays? Uh, let's look it up. M A L A. I-S-E. Malaise is a feeling of general discomfort, uneasiness, or pain. Okay. Often the first... Okay. All right. How do you say it? Malaise. Malaise. Okay. Whatever. All right. Uh, Okay. Are you okay, Mrs. uh, Mr. Johnson? She's required to ask about my disposition before I take the dose. The wrong mood swing or health issue could be devastating to the user, the health of the company, and everyone in it. Malaise might lead to an introspective nightmare. A bad trip can have longer-lasting consequences. Some demon summoned from the imagination tearing its way through the fabric of reality and through the skin and viscera of anyone in its way before the magic men exercise it and write reality. I pull out a cigarette and put the pack back in my coat pocket lighting it taking a drag and exhaling i say of course safety is one thing but if i decline the dose of uh, but if i decline the dose i'm setting myself up for a world of hurt not a team player not a groundbreaker people will look into my abilities just took more time getting here this morning just stuck in the middle of a parade followers and revelers of the corner preacher man excellent Her smile stretches her plump, rouged cheeks. It's a double dose today. Time to flex the creative muscles. Now stick out your tongue. (laughs) Magic and technology. And magic is spelled M-A-G-I-C-K. So I'm sure, yeah. Magic and technology. Merging the two together. Our purview. Technomancy. R&D. Dangerous on good days, even when the staff's not fueling the fires with their brain cells bubbling away with, uh, with uh, heads full of acid. For a second, while the tabs dissolve on my tongue, I consider not swallowing the rest of it, going through the day on a partial dose. The worst thing I've ha- I'd have to cope with, the constant clicking of the clock. Dude, if you definitely, I mean, you know. It, you know what that means like if you definitely have done that just like the nuanced sounds that are going on like ambiance that you're like like even uh, like a fridge um, humming and buzzing it can just turn into like so many different other sounds like that make you like you know give you like uh, uh, will give you the shivers you know what I'm saying like it'll shock you a little bit like just hearing the it goes like, 
Ooh, it starts to get louder and louder. Mm, yeah. All right. So, okay, going through the day on a partial dose. The worst thing I'd have to cope with, the constant clicking of the clock. Assuming no one else dredges up some nightmare from the netherworld to drag us all to hell. I've gotten good enough at faking. I'm a norm. The magics have never worked for me. And I'm not tech, uh, tech adept. I got through engineering and math classes by faking magic theory. My ability to fake both led to this job. The conglomeration of the twin arts. Despite not being able to manage either. And it's kept me here. In this world. My ability to fake it has kept me from being one of the disappeared. No one knows for sure what happens to them. No one I know anyway. Best guess is they get forced into off-world colonization. Or food for one of the partners from the other dimensions. How you doing, Paul? A hand claps on my shoulder and my skeleton nearly jumps out of my skin. Quiet that thinking or it'll goddamn happen. I look up into the face of my boss, half expecting to see horns. <laughs> Thankfully, the LSC hasn't kicked in yet, so my thoughts are less dangerous than they will be in an hour. All right, Tom. How's tricks? He stares at me, pupils the size of saucers, because he's all f***ed up. A year out of secondary school, and he manages the whole department. Youth movement, shaking things up again. Shooting for big things today, I nod. A double dose. Shocked the cranium into action. <laughs> he walks off without saying anything else, probably seeing something I don't, that may or may not be there. At my desk, I look at the picture of Claire and me from our trip to, up to Vandenberg to watch the rockets take off. The first construction delivery for the moon base. Before I get the chance to savor the memory, my vid cube dings and incoming message. The holographic image forming in the computer cube. Cool, dog. Okay, so this is like holographic image obviously my mind goes well, i mean not obviously but my mind goes to star wars right luke or no not it doesn't she doesn't say luke just says uh, you're our only hope and it goes away thanks r2 for doing that by the way <laughs> the holographic image forming in the computer cube howard hughes minister of information comes on to deliver the news a second image forms john whiteside parsons Minister of Magic and Technology. Announcing new information from the trans-dimensional partners. Working on the construction of the moon base. A sound catches my ear. Hmm. A whisper from a fold in the fabric of reality. Ooh. A whisper from a fold in the fabric of reality. That's such a vivid sentence. Like... Especially, like, if you know, again, if you know, you know. A whisper from a fold in the fabric of reality. A sound catches my ear. That's what he said. A sound catches my ear. A whisper from a fold in the fabric of reality. The acid is kicking in. Fucking acid. I've been staring straight ahead for hours. <laughs> Looking at my watch, I see that it's really been less than a minute. Over here, twisting my head around. There's no one in the room with me. My head snaps back to the vid cube. The face of a devil glares back at me. We know what you're concealing, it hisses. After enduring hours, strung out, 
tossing and turning and unable to sleep. I give up, get out of bed and hit the shower. Letting the hot water run over me, I wonder if I bought myself any time yesterday. I turned in a report with some wild ideas, but no results. The bosses seem to go for the ideas, but at some point I figure they'll want results. I don't know what happens then, just that I'll probably learn firsthand what happens to the disappeared. After I turn the water off, I just stand there a while, listening to the water drip onto the shower floor. My mind numb from the damage of the day before. It takes longer than I plan to get dressed and go over to Claire's for dinner. My mind, a mix of looking forward to being, uh, my mind, my mind, a mix of looking forward to being with her, combined with dreading the time with her family, a situation so stiff and formal that I'm unlikely to even get to speak to Claire beyond the pleasantries. I have the cabbie circle. I have the cabbie circle the block once before entering the grounds of her family's estate. Because that's what you got to do. <laughs> a black car caught my eye on the way here. I'm sure I've seen it elsewhere. Circling's no guarantee it's not there. When the partners and their uh, commissars, commissars, K-O-M-M-I-S-A-R-S. I'm going to say commissars. When, their par- when the partners and their commissars can travel through reality full... Th- okay, hold on. Okay, I have, the, I have the cabbie circle the block once before entering the grounds of her family's estate. Just to probably just make sure that no one's following or something. A black car caught my eye on the way here. I'm sure I've seen it elsewhere. Circling's no guarantee it's not there when the partners and their commissars can travel through reality folds. Just because you're not paranoid, I muttered. The cabbie drops me in Claire's, j- drops me at Claire's security gate. A servant shows me through the foyer and into the library. The agency gives all the servants British-sounding names, regardless of their background. I'm shown in by a Chicano man from Boyle Heights named Jeeves. That's a real interesting name for a Chicano man, Jeeves. Dude, if I was growing up and I had a friend, you know, like, yo, what's up? Uh, yo, this is my boy Jeeves, and this is uh, my other homie Hector. Did you say Jeeves, dang? Yeah, um, in, uh, but we just call him, uh, you know, Jay. We just call him uh, Jefe. No, you no, you. They don't call me Hefe. They just call me Jeeves. <laughs> That's a really funny name. <laughs> I'm glad that they made the Chicano man named Jeeves. I'm shown in by a Chicano man from Boyle Heights named Jeeves. Claire's father is waiting in the library. He doesn't look pleased, but then I've never seen him smile. They're here. Come sit down. He waits for me to take a seat on the sofa. I sit at the other edge, leaving the center cushion between us. How are things at work? The question isn't what I was expecting. Uh, Fine, I think. Should I be worried? Claire's father has connections with the Ministry of Internal Security. If he's heard something, I need to get working on a plan B fast. No. No, he says, shaking his head, but his eyes look less sure. No, come on, let's eat. I follow him to the easy chairs in the living room. Claire and her mom are already seated. I catch the glint in Claire's eyes as I walk in and tell her she looks beautiful. She thanks me and 
the warmth in my heart quickly fades, knowing that will be the extent of our contact in the formal dinner. <laughs> so it's just like, okay, now we're just sitting at the table. Alright. It's been months since we got away together on our own. That trip to Vandenberg, watching the rockets go up. The two of us together in the convertible, staying out until the dark. Watching the bright lights of the satellites pass overhead, which is super fucking random, but that's if that's what you guys are into, watch the satellites. We had more time to ourselves in that weekend and, in the, and then in the year we've been together. Paul, you may sit next to Claire, the old man says. There are four of us, so the servants have set up four easy chairs and wheeled in four TV trays in front of the wall of televisions. There are nine televisions along the wall because it's a fucking bar, <laughs> but the larger one in the center is in color. Okay. And the sound comes from that one. The other eight televisions are divided between the science and magic channels, leaving the news for the one in the center. We catch the tail end of a story on a ruling from the Bone Court, something involving the rights of the spellcaster over the rights of someone victimized by fallout from the spell. Okay, so this is like magic CNN, man. Parsons comes on and reads... A statement announcing another push to encourage experimentation at home, looking for breakthroughs. A maid comes in carrying a stack of four TV dinners. Gotta love them, man. Banquets. She sets each down before peeling back the tin foil. Another servant comes in and sets down glasses filled with, you ready for this? Filled with tang. (laughs) Filled with tampico. (laughs) filled with orange drink before returning with a uh, uh, before returning with a carfay of water to mix into it the first maid a young black woman bursts into tears she backs away trying to recover she apologizes but she's crying too hard and the words don't make any sense wait doesn't that, that, that kind of reminded me of uh, Get Out when the, when the maid goes in and she just like starts crying a little bit that just get, like went, came straight to my head. Then maybe reread it. And if you've watched the movie Get Out, then you'll know what I'm, I mean, you might not know what I'm talking about, but maybe it'll spark. Okay. Uh, okay. A maid comes in carrying a stack of four TV dinners. She sets each down before peeling back the tinfoil. Another servant with a carafe of water. Uh, is it car- carafe? C-A-R-A-F-E, carafe. So, I don't, I'm going with carafe. Um, filled with tang before returning with a carafe of water to mix into it. The first maid, a young black woman, bursts into tears. She backs away, trying to recover. She apologizes, but she's crying too hard and the words don't make any sense. Mary-Kate, you have to stop this nonsense. Your daughter's gone. You need to accept this. Claire's mom sounds pissed, but there's a tell. She's sounding pissed because it's what she thinks she's supposed to do. It takes her a second to get into the role. She has to prep first before she can play angry. Now, dear, the old man says, lighting a pipe, Mary-Kate is part of this household. We must encourage her to do her best. We wouldn't want any more of her family to meet with misfortune. I do all I can to focus on the brown goo of my Salisbury steak. 
We must all do what we must to contribute, the old man continues. Right, Paul? He stares at me with a wicked glean in his eye that puts all the hair on my arms on end and makes me shit a little. <laughs> after the look her old man gave me the night, uh, after the look the old, uh, after the look her old man gave me the night before, I can't believe I'm in the back of a car with them going to the church the following morning. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, that's just what you do, you know. I mean, you just get in the fucking car because you know there's your in-laws, so. You don't think they're going to kill you, right? I mean, maybe. Is that where this is going? Okay. After the look her old man gave you the night before, I can't believe I'm uh, in the back of a car with them going to church the following morning. I can, uh, Yeah, man. All right. The chauffeur pulls to the curb at Hollywood and Highland and walks back to let us out of the car. The cold and the wet hit me as soon as I step out. The chauffeur holds an umbrella. Very kind. I love that. For Claire's parents, all the way up the steps to the Babylon Gate, leading to the lodge entrance. Like many of the Hollywood fixtures built before Parsons' experiments in magic and rocketry, the Babylon Gate transformed from set design to full functionality, following Parsons' success. Atop the gate, hundreds of feet above, uh, reliefs of the eagle headed uh, uh, okay, hold on. Let me. I'm just reading the sentence because it's fucking weird. Okay, atop the gate, hundreds of feet above, reliefs of the eagle-headed Nisroch and the Assyrian god Ashur beckon us inside to a place between worlds. Let me look those up. I just want to give uh, N-I-S-R-O Nisroch. Oh, okay. It's a former Assyrian god, but okay, but it looks like, yeah, it's an eagle. There's a, it got an eagle head, but it's like a eagle head, like off of a, like a hieroglyphic eagle head, but it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool looking. Okay. So that's like on this temple and then also a sure. Okay. So a sure looks more, it has like, um, Wings, essentially, it's like a, it's a portrait of um, wings and tail feathers. And then in the middle is uh, this gentleman with a bow uh, throttle, uh, you know, pulled back. So these are the things that they're seeing as they're going in. Okay. Uh, Atop the gate, hundreds of feet above. This is a large gate, by the way. Reliefs of the eagle-headed Nishrock and the Assyrian god Ashur beckon us inside to a place between worlds. Static crackles through my clothes and goosebumps rise on my skin as we pass through to a plane not in our world. My eyes sting a little, adjusting to the change in air pressure and light. Are, this is fucking Stargate, man. The ceiling is uh, the ceiling is clear as glass. Through it, is it fucking glass? Man, can you just say the ceiling is glass? Through it, a dark blue sky from wherever this world is located. Its alien sun glows above, just enough to provide dim light in the great hall. The second dimensional gate is in the center of the room, ringed by pews. We take our seats in the third row, in the half of the ring opposite the gate we came in. Claire removes her hat, like a lady. 
The, ch- the church dress is corny and old-fashioned, but she looks gorgeous in it. And it's almost a shame that she has to take it off. Seeing her start to disrobe, I remove my coat and start on the buttons of my shirt. What in the f- Once the congregation is naked and standing, shivering in the frigid alien air, the human priestess enter- enters, stepping through a fold in reality of- in front of the center gate. She's naked apart from the snake headdress. Medusa? What the fuck is going on? Her skin is pallid, not having felt the sun in her lifetime. She holds a snake by the head with her right hand, her left on the tail. She lifts it towards the ceiling and starts to shake. (laughs) The sound starts as a whisper and builds like the voices in my head on a strong dose of LSD. I'm sure, dude, I bet this is a fucking trip. I bet that he's still tripping. I'm not, I mean, I want to bet like money on it, but I'm, I don't know. I'm sure the voice says something to me personally, but it's too far away to understand. And then it's louder, but not in any human tongue. It punches through it. It punches through into our reality like thunder. The gate powers up and flashes. And when my eyes readjust, the speaker is standing in the center of the room, towering over the priestess. Oh my God. Okay. The, the alien is bipedal and stands as a human, but it is at least 12 feet tall and looks of it as if it has been, excuse me, as, as, uh, as if it has been assembled from an amalgam of parts from creatures from our world. It's layered in scales on its back, wrapping around its ribs. Between the scales, huge wiry spider hairs jet out at odd angles. Oh, God. It has six arms and six breasts. Okay. Its hands are human-looking until the fingers, which are too long even for something proportionally so large, and end in filthy claws. God, what a picture. Its face is something proportional. Uh, its face is roughly goat-like. Naturally. Though the snout is more like an anteater. Oh, God. <sighs> The feathers at the back of the head must have been part of what caused Parsons to believe that he had summoned the whore of Babylon. You want, let's re go over that description. The alien is bipedal. So what the fuck does bipedal mean? Oh, okay, so it's a fucking bird. Yeah, alright. Well, I mean, no, we're fucking bipedal. Right? Yeah, cuz yeah, we're fucking bipedal. All right. All right, the island uh, the alien is bipedal and stands as a human. Oh, duh. Come on, Nathan. And stands as a human, but it, it is at le- uh, excuse me, but it is at least 12 feet tall. <sighs> Fuck. Yao Ming was 76 and he was like daunting. Andre the Giant was what 75 or something, 73 or something, and he was I don't know. Okay, and looks as uh, come on. Okay, um, and looks okay, and looks as um, as if it has been assembled from an amalgam of parts from creatures from our world. Okay, so it's like, you know, just a smorgasbord, a mixture, you know, 
of these fucking things. It's layered in scales on its back. Okay, I'm trying to picture this. Okay, all right. It's layered in scales on its back, wrapping around its ribs. Okay, between the scales, huge wiry spider hairs jet out at odd angles. Just, just spider hairs. I wonder how, like... Like, hella wiry they are. I mean, it says wiry, but, like, do they cut you? Can they fucking... It has six arms. Oh, my God. How many arms did Goro have? I think only four, right? Yeah, four arms. So, six arms. Holy shit. Ugh. Okay. Uh, it has six arms and six breasts. Very specific. Its hands are human-looking until the fingers, which are too long even for something proportionally proportionally so large, and end in filthy claws. Ugh. Its face is somewhat. Uh, its face is roughly goat-like, though the snout is more like an anteater. Oh my god, a goat with an anteater snout. Okay. The feathers at the back of the head must have been part of the uh, of what caused Parsons to believe that he had summoned the whore of Babylon. All right, so this is a big like bird with uh, just hair and scales, like just a bunch of different things into it. Okay, the priestess and and beast speak in unison. The voice reverberates through the hall, understandable only on the echo. Who will give themselves to me? Hands shoot up throughout the crowd. Murmurs of me, and I will. <laughs> Way too eager, man. Fucking, you know, take it easy. The creature and the priestess stick their left arms out together, scanning the crowd and pointing to the same section. The alien serpent's tongue jets out of its snout. This one. A girl of 14 makes her way out of the pews and races down the aisle, clapping her hands together. Way too excited. Okay? Way too excited, man. She stands between the priestess and alien, her hands raised up as though the, to embrace the creature. The alien reaches down and clasps her sides with all six hands and raises her up higher than the top of the priestess's head. The creature's sharpened tongue shoots out into the girl's forehead. Woo-wee! The girl uh, writhes um, and wriggles and screams out one last ecstatic, Yes! before spasming a flood of urine flowing down her legs and splashing onto the stone floor because she's dying man the creature continues to slurp the contents out of her head it discards her limp corpse dropping it into the puddle of piss at its cloven feet the creature and priestess speak again in unison you are all now truly blessed the creature steps back through the gate Hey, man, you know what? Maybe tell us some other shit, too. Why Why we're here naked, man. Thanks, 14-year-old girl, but you can't just say we're all truly blessed and then just go back through your fucking Stargate portal. The creature steps back through the gate and is gone. The priestess holds the snake aloft once more, spins and dances back through a fold we can't see and out of our sight. The congregation, the congregation dresses in silence. <laughs> I push a piece of potato through the remnants of some gravy with my fork. Then back again. Oh, so we're back at uh, dinner, I think. I push a piece of potato through the remnants of some gravy with my fork. Then back again the other way. A child screams in the mall just past the diner doors, but my focus stays on the potato. 
damn, like just like looking at it, just like <sighs> Claire reaches out and takes my free hand. You don't go to church often, do you? Her parents left with the car after the rites, leaving Claire to do some shopping and give us a, giving us the rare chance to be al- alone, albeit in a shopping mall full of people. Okay, so they're not back at dinner. It's not my thing, I guess. I put the fork down and start looking around for the waitress to bring us a check. Claire smiles and suddenly nothing else matters to me. Oh, I wonder for a second if she gets that. How the simple sight of her happy for a moment, even at my expense, makes everything else seem unimportant. I'd say it's more than that, but maybe we can change your outlook. It's important. I'm about to say, okay, hold on, that was her saying that. I'd say it's more than that, but maybe we can change your outlook. It's important. I'm about to say something when the waitress butts in with, Can I get you anything else? And I lose my train of thought. Just a check, I mutter. Someone passes by outside, a dark shape of a suit and hat, moving by in the reflection of the wall mirror. And I can't help but think that that, uh, that same shape's passed by several times. Your uh, father doesn't have people following us, does he? At the mall? She shakes her head laughing. You really got a, you really got a scare watching our friend from beyond, didn't you? That whore at the church? Of course. Don't think of it as horrible. She gave her life so we might all be so we might all be blessed. And did you hear her to experience such bliss? I can't believe she'd think to do this. Claire, promise me that you'll never volunteer yourself. What? I can't promise that, Paul. She looks so sad that it's like the she looks so sad that it's like the work her smile did is undone. Who knows what the future holds? I'd be devastated. We all die. At least when you volunteer, you give yourself to the greater good. You're killed in front of a crowd. She doesn't say anything, but her eyes flash an angry argument. And she digs through her purse. I don't expect you to understand. Yeah, she digs through her purse. I can just, I just don't, I don't expect you to understand. She's just like, I just don't. Try moving over too, too many lip glosses. I just, I don't expect you to understand. Okay, Paul. She gets up and walks out of the diner. Damn it. I pull out the cash enough to more than cover the check and tip and leave it on the table. Claire. I call, leaving the dinner and entering the mall. Paul Johnson, a man in a dark suit and black hat, steps in front of me. There's two taller men dressed the same way behind him. We need you to come with us. I can't move my arms and my vision is foggy. I remember getting jabbed with a needle. And I try to ask about it, but my words come out like, Someone speaking Latin backwards. He's now aware, a voice says in an accent that I can't place. Two sets of hands grab me by my shoulders and pull me into a chair. They bend my arms back and bind them with a coarse rope burning into the flesh of my wrists. A reeking stench hits me like a wave before they haul me back and put a bright light in my face. Mr. Johnson, we know you are awake, yes? The speaker is behind the chair. 
padded clasps hold my head facing forward into the dentist's lap they have in my face. That's where I am. At. That's where I am. In a dentist chair. The voice doesn't wait for my response. It has come to our attention that there is one in your department making the falsifications. Yes. I recognize the voice. It's from a nightmare I had after watching a movie that came out last year with an interrogation in a dentist chair. It's less the voice of the actor in the film and much more from my dream version of the interrogator as a more over-the-top escaped Nazi war criminal. Realizing I must be dreaming, I exhale slow. Just gotta find a way to wake myself up. Ah, I can assure you this is quite real, Mr. Johnson. Generalized telepathy remains outside of our current abilities, but... When we have a target that we can specify, this becomes a simple matter to read your thoughts and use them to best affect the scenario that you will find most unpleasant. I don't know what the fuck that was, alright? So just bear with me on that accent. What do you want from me? My mouth feels like it's full of cotton swabs and words come out mumble. What do you want from me? But the clearest thing I've said so far... What, Mr. Johnson? Your Mr. Mr. Parsons contacted my race, brought us here so that we might assist you. Have you asked yourself, Mr. Johnson, what it is that you want? Soon you will have a decision you must make. How will you serve your race? Will you continue making pretend at your current functions? Or will you give yourself to the betterment of the whole? You mean, uh, volunteer to sacrifice myself in church? Not at all, Mr. Johnson. This is but one method. You could volunteer to be one of the colonists in your solar system. You are able-bodied. There are new worlds for your people and for my race to explore together. You could study. We have. You would call them universities. We are sending the... No, they are universities, man. That's what they're fucking... We are sending some of your people to our home dimension to learn from us directly. Would you prefer to do this than to go to your box each day and stare at your timepieces until it is time to write a report of lies? I can't answer this, but I worry what might happen if I don't say something. Why me? Why are you giving me this choice? Mr. Johnson, we all have choices. But for you, certain strings have been pulled. The lamp switches off. These gentlemen will take you now to your benefactor. I suggest that you think about what it is you really desire. The car pulls up to Claire's house. The men in dark suits escort me up through the gate and guard into the house. We're met at the door by Jeeves, the Chicano, <laughs> who leads us, through the, uh, leads us through to the library where Claire's father is waiting. Paul, please sit down. He extends his hand towards the sofa. I take a seat. The two escorts stay by the door. Have you thought about reassignment? He lifts a china teacup off its its saucer and and sips. The tea has a strong smell, ginseng, and something else I can't place. Is that what this is all about? You want me to leave to keep me away from your daughter? He puts the cup back down too hard, 
but not enough to crack the china. Paul, you missed the point. I'm thinking of you here. There's nothing for you in your current position. If you go willingly into another field, uh, you have a chance. If you continue on your current path, you will find yourself among the disappeared. Claire wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that. But doesn't she want us to be together? He sips his tea again. There's something in his eyes. Like he's searching for the right way to phrase something. Claire said this would be difficult for you to accept. She's given herself over, Paul. Even if you cannot understand her reasons, you're going to have to accept that she's gone. I put my head on my knees, my arms over my head, and squeeze my eyes as tight as I can, hoping that if I try hard enough, it will all go away and I'll wake up and it's all been a dream. But I still hear the old man calling. Paul? Paul. <laughs> That's it, man. Episode 37, Partners. What? By Ian Welk out of Zombie Jesus and Other True Stories, which was edited by Max Booth the Third. Wow, man. That's a, that was a roller coaster. It was kind of, it kind of um, made me think, like, I mean, obviously throughout the story I said what I was thinking about. But it made... Some things make sense as far as, uh, like, how I took it was that this guy, I mean, we're, they were definitely in, like, an alternate reality. And, obviously, and aliens had taken over the planet in this particular fictional uh, doc, or, you know, account, as it were. Um, and... He didn't. He, he didn't understand why people would like fucking do that. Like give themselves up to this ant eater dude. Totally understandable, but his girl did, and then she did, and the old man, her dad, was like, "Yo, man, so what are you gonna do now?" And he's like, "What are you talking about? I'm just trying to, you know, I'd like to be with fucking Claire." Okay, well that's a cool story, except that she's already dead. So you got to figure that out now. kind of a fucked up love story to be honest but whatever yeah i don't know go on check online zombie jesus and other true stories we're gonna there's another story in here uh well whatever i'm not gonna tell you guys there's um but there's gonna be we're gonna be coming back to to this like just listen to the like the the back cover says um zombie jesus and other true stories what if john wilkes booth had a good reason for killing lincoln Mm, a reason kept secret to protect the innocent a reason so sinister that it would turn your hair white as light what if jack the ripper was the protagonist of his life story and he was only trying to save the world from apocalypse what if there was an agency somewhere out there responsible for the death of every single celebrity what if the Titanic was just, wasn't just carrying the living? What if there was more than just lava that erupted from Mount St. Helens? What if, what if, what if? So there's a, so it's just a, a cool twist on, you know, the historical stuff that's already happened. And I think that's what story we just read was maybe like uh, about the, um, the Hollywood people because they're, they were very well, um, 
Yeah, that was probably what it was, is that alternate realities. Yeah, there was an agency. The magic, yeah. Responsible for all the deaths or whatever. Yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, thanks again, guys, man. Uh, I know that this sounds super uh, super better. I'm recording with a new program on a new device, and uh, the sound quality is going to be exponentially better. But... With that being said, man, episode 37, check out the Instagram. Please follow uh, at Short Story Bingo. And, um, yeah, follow that. Um, of course, go down to Clean Cut Barbershop. If, you're, if your man needs a haircut, they're 20 bucks for his first time. If you need a haircut, I mean, it is Friday, so they do take walk-ins. Take your ass down there, 21 East Kelsey Avenue. Mention Short Story Bingo, and it's a $20 cut. Normally, it's 25 Get five bucks off, bro. You know what I'm saying? And again, suggest it to your man if he's uh if if he if you know if he's looking for a different type of cut too. Like they'll uh, hook you up with a different style if that's what you're looking for. So clean cut barbershop, Ramble my my boy Jody. Uh, my man John Cooks over there too. Uh, nonetheless, so short story being of episode 37. My name is Nate Chacon the third. And um yeah, we're just gonna end it like this, man. Episode 38 next week. Uh, Happy Podcast Friday. I hope you guys have a good weekend. Be safe. Be well. Make sure that uh, you guys are good to each other. And we are God. Spare fingers. Yes.